Welcome to Admentum's Podcast for Parents series, where we cover topics to help you navigate the twists and turns of home learning. I'm your host, David Cicero, and I'm so excited to join you on this journey. So let's go. Just like many of you, I'm working from home with a child that is supposed to be doing schoolwork, and it's really tough. I feel like there just isn't enough time in a day. My thoughts are constantly interrupted, phone calls, projects, so it's probably not the best strategy, but ice cream has really been my go-to when I need a disconnect. Now, ice cream is good, but what I really want is to figure out a better way to help my child concentrate on something meaningful for a decent amount of time. And the difficulty in doing this can be overwhelming for parents whose children have focus and learning challenges. Lindsay Folks is a special education expert for classroom and home learning strategy. Lindsay, I don't expect to move mountains here, but just 20 minutes. What could be my first step and successfully guiding my child's focus for a good 20 minutes. Well, first of all, David, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here and share some of the strategies that I have picked up both in brick and mortar classrooms and virtual education. Uh, In addition, I also have experience with homeschooling and unschooling techniques and families. So I've been fortunate enough to be able to draw from several different resources. I think the first step really in, in guiding your child's focus is to learn about them. We all think we know our kids, but we forget that we need to observe them just as much as an elementary age student or as a middle school age student or a high school age student, just as much as we did as when they were an infant and we stared at them all the time and we marveled in every blink that they made, every coup that they uttered. And as they get older, we tend to forget to do that. So sometimes it's, it's very powerful to realize we may not know our children as well as we think. So how, do we, how did you learn about your child as an infant, right? Like I said, you stared at them. You listened to every sound they made. If they shifted or made some sound you weren't familiar with in the middle of the night, you were up and aware and knew what was going on. As they get older, we figure, oh, we don't hear anything, they're fine. Or we only worry if we hear something very loud happen. So observe that elementary, middle, or high school age student of yours. Listen. Figure out what it is when when they lose that focus or when they're not dialed into something. What came just before that that broke their concentration, that interrupted that focus? And it's not bad or good, but, you know, learn about what engages them, what gets them dialed back into something, what draws them in to a learning experience. And remember, too, as we were raising our children from that infant to toddler to preschool age and into kindergarten and even first grade, what were some of those strategies that we used to get them to pay attention? Did we sing? Did we sing, uh, talk and sing song? Did we, while we sang, did we use our hands like with the itsy bitsy spider? Anything that we used can, as, as those infant and, and nursery and preschool strategies, we can expand to help our older students engage in their work as well. Wow. I, I think you're right on in saying that, you know, we, we kind of stop observing. I see that even now with, with my five-year-old as he's becoming a bit more independent, like, you know, he can, you know, he brushes his teeth once a day. I do it the second time for the day, or, mm-hmm. you know, he's just doing more tasks on his own, you know, 
yes, that's a good thing. But I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm also feeling like I'm observing that task a little less. Um, mm-hmm. my, my eyes are just kind of off of him. I don't have that same level of focus. And it's funny because sometimes he brings it up. He's kind of missing some of that, sure. you know, that type of attention um, as well. And what, what I think you also make a good point just to see, you know, my child got off task. What happened just before that? That's a trigger. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. And, you know, as we watch our, our children, um, we think like you had just said, you know, he does it once and you do it once. And so in that moment when he's doing it, you're thinking, Oh, okay. Finally, I get a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a break from this engagement or this observation of my child. And you then fill that space with something else that you needed to do or that you wanted to do. And I'm not saying that you, you have to you know, stare at your child all the time, but allow your child to continue to occupy that space in your life instead of filling it up with something else. So that way, if your child does need you or you do need to see when you walk into a room, you go, well, what happened? You have had that time to help figure out what happened instead of relying on perhaps unreliable memories and and chain of events. Gotcha. And I think you're, well, you know, to be honest with you, the brushing the teeth example when I go in the bathroom afterwards, I've got to clean up anyway. So I really didn't mm-hmm. save too much time. And I could have spent exactly. right. I could have spent that time maybe making some valuable observations. So observing and teaching listening. him how to clean it. And therefore then you can back away after you've taught him what a clean area looks like. Sure, sure. So we're observing, we're we're listening, we're figuring out what triggers them, we're figuring out what engages them. Mm-hmm. Does this also include just you know, being, I, I know every parent knows, oh, my child likes, you know, this cartoon or they like this kind of game, but just um, recontextualizing those things as ways we can engage them in learning that game they like or that show they like. Is that a part of this observation? Do we want to uh, kind of pull those, just kind of recontextualize those interests as, hey, those are ends to, you know, education opportunities? Absolutely. As you watch your your child and you learn, okay, my student happens to like Fortnite. And you're thinking, I don't like video games. I'm not into this. Forget it. He's entertained. He's not bugging me. I'm going to let him do this. Well, sit down with your child as she is playing this game and ask them questions about it as they are playing. Well, who's this character? What does this do? What happens when you do this? What is the goal? And subliminally, what you're really doing is you are teaching your student without even realizing it, how to organize thoughts and patterns, how to identify main ideas. And you can use that to then translate over when they are working in their English or when they're working in their science. You can look at them playing that game and say, huh, well, I wonder how he swung that around or how fast do you think it took him? How long do you think it took him to get from this point to this point? And you can incorporate all these little math skills and all these little science concepts into that. If they're playing volleyball, you'd be like, you know, that is a physics concept. When you spike that volleyball, how fast do you think it was going towards the ground? Doesn't have to be physics related for a high school student. If you're working with an elementary school student, You can simply say, how long did it take you to roll that ball from one part to another? And you can time it. Those are all math skills that helps make them unafraid of a subject. It keeps it familiar to them. So they are much more willing then to 
uh, engage with that subject and take some of those risks of being wrong. Okay, three times three isn't eight, but try again. They they will lose that fear if you keep things familiar to them. Mm. And so this really brings us into sort of the second part of this idea. Uh, first, we're observing, we're, we're listening, we're really paying attention to understand what they like, what they dislike, what triggers them, what gets them excited, what gets them happy. So now that I kind of have a bank of information after I've observed my child, how do I mm-hmm. use what I've observed to continue to increase my child's concentration? So as they're working, let's say, in science, and they're covering something in chemistry, and, they're, and you see them kind of losing that. Well, if your child likes to cook, bring them into the kitchen, make something to eat real quick. And that's the other thing for losing focus. Sometimes it does come back to that kind of basic need of sometimes people lose focus because they're hungry. So use that to help with science and math concepts, bring them into the kitchen, make something to eat, feed them. And then I'll bet that they are going to be more focused and their concentration will be increased for the task that the academic task that you want them to complete. Um, If you notice uh, that they are getting off track in something, um, bring it back to to that uh, task or that activity that they really like. If they like to collect things, um, you know, you can walk around that video game and collect items. You can help them count those items. You can, if they like to ride horses, if that's their thing, or they like swimming, all of these things you can just bring back. Be like, well, remember when you first were learning the breaststroke and you can bring that topic back to that that if they're struggling with it and now you you are a brilliant at the breaststroke and remember what that took have them relate a moment of success that they've had previously and that will help increase the concentration that they are it sounds kind of counterintuitive but it really will help them refocus where you want them to in those academic pieces um, and just in, find any opportunity you can to engage what they enjoy, what they are good in, things they have already experienced success in, and they will be much more motivated and it will create that internal intrinsic motivation to do well outside of you'll get a candy bar if you do this. I'll give you $5 for every A. It gives them that internal piece that is so valuable for later on in life. I think I've actually seen some of this firsthand, and and this may have been me trying something out after we talked previously or something like mm-hmm. that. But I had, you know, my son loves to mix things, and it doesn't matter what it is. It can be, you know, you know, yogurt and dirt. I mean, he just wants right? to see <laughs> see what happens when two things are mixed together. It doesn't matter what they are, and so. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that um, I had an idea to try to teach him addition and a little basic addition and subtraction with a pitcher um, mm-hmm. of water, right? And so I had him pouring water in, right? Pour one cup and then two cups and you know, try to predict you know, with addition how many cups we're going to have afterwards. And he was good to go for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I brought out a little table so we could track some of the answers and things like that, but he got to pick up stuff and pour stuff and mix stuff. And so he was in now, did he, 
you know, what did he learn from that experience? I mean, I'm not entirely sure that he learned everything I intended to teach him, but he mm-hmm. was, he seemed engaged, you know, he wasn't playing around. He wasn't, you know, changing, uh, changing the activity or going away or being loud. Like he was, he was really there with me in that moment. And so mm-hmm. I can kind and of attest of to this reason- idea. Part of the reason he was there with you in that moment is because you were there with him in that moment. Children respond, regardless of age, children respond to their environment. If they see that you are distracted, not you, David, as you know, but you as the, the collective parent unit here or, or guardian or learning guide or, or adult, um, if they see that their adult is distracted, then they also have no reason to stay focused. And that's actually come up. Um, in this in this podcast series before as well, um, you know, just the other day, in fact, with Elizabeth Davis, we talked about how important it is for the parent to be also engaged in the learning experience, and so you know that's why that's part of the reason why you know it's important for the parent to create activities that they could also be interested in, so mm-hmm. they have some legit interest in what's happening and so will their child and so so let's say that you know i've observed i i I know my 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 child likes to collect things or i know they like to jump around a lot or run around a lot or i know they like to watch you know sonic gameplay online and i've and i've successfully sort of like you know tied these two things together and trying to i've successfully bridged the learning experience Mm -hmm. with some of these outside interests you know how would i know that my child's engagement has actually increased now because you can stare at a screen for an sure. hour and not be paying attention at all. But how would I know then, Hey, this, this, this is a valid method that I, how do I test that? How do I know if my child's engagement has increased? Well, the easy answer is, Oh, their grades got better, but a high grade doesn't necessarily indicate learning has occurred and does not necessarily indicate mastery or interest or engagement in that topic. Um, I would say when you're looking for measures of uh, increased engagement, does your child engage you in conversation about the task afterward? If you ask them, hey, I see today you were doing um, finding area of rectangles today. How'd that go? If they can tell you how that went and give examples, then they were engaged. If they are completely focused somewhere else, then they're not going to be able to answer specific questions about tasks that they performed. Um, If they need to take those little five minute breaks of just, okay, I cannot stare at a plant cell anymore. I've got to walk away. Let them walk away for five minutes. Let them do something that they enjoy take that five minutes and then come back. And then you can ask them, all right, what are you going back to do? Oh, I'm going to go finish up that plant cell stuff. Excellent. If they're not engaged in that, then they will not be able to effectively answer those types of questions. The fortunate thing about online education is there are so many tools available to parents, things like pacing guides. I can see the amount of time that my child has spent online. And I can also see the amount of time my child has spent engaged in an activity. So if it shows that they have been online for 19 hours, 
but only two hours of engagement, you can pretty much bet your student is not particularly dialed in to their course. But if it shows, and they haven't really completed a lot, like they've only completed 3% of the course. However, if it shows that your child has been logged into the system for 19 hours, 16 hours of which were spent active in particular courses, and they have completed 15% of the course now, then that is also a raw data, things that educators look at and can see because we're not in the home with the student. Those are also things that parents can use to see how dialed into the curriculum and any particular course that their student is. Fantastic, fantastic advice. And it makes me think also, just if I could piggyback on that a little bit, this is also a great reason for, for, for parents and teachers, especially when students are working remotely, to have conversations about this time on task and login usage and, and think about ways to interpret it themselves from the context of their mm -hmm. own home, right? These are really important conversations to have. And I really, really love um, all, all the, um, you know, or the switch to you know, how do we look at data now online and how does it relate to engagement and our child's focus uh, Lindsay, I really appreciate you coming on today. I have I have new things to try out, um, and I, I, I definitely will try them, and we'll talk with you again soon. That sounds fabulous. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate it. That wraps it up for this episode. Keep on the lookout for more useful topics on the Edmentum Parent Resource page. Thanks for listening.